0: 20, I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill,
1: you stay in wonderland. I
0: am in You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Hello and welcome to Glacé Film Club, we're back. We've been gone for a while and I am very sorry for that, but we've got a lot of good stuff lined up for you in the next few months. And a very new guest is here with me today, he's never been on the podcast before, Callum. Thank you for coming. Hello. Are you excited to talk about some films?
1: Extremely.
0: And uh, what film are we on today?
1: Uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs.
0: So when I spoke to Callum about doing this podcast, um, we had a chat about films to do. I thought we might be doing something a bit straight down the middle, but we've been thrown (laughs) off piece a little bit. You know, we like to mess around look through all different types of films, but this is the latest film by the Coen Brothers. You know, big directors, done a lot of films um, in the time. This one's on Netflix, Netflix exclusive, and as you'll find out, typical Coen Brothers style, quite dark. You know, a little bit of dark humour in there, but we'll get into that. We both watched it during the week, so it's fresh in the memory. Um, got a lot to discuss but this time as I realized and as people who've listened to the podcast before will know they have banged on too long in the past so in an aim to make the format slightly slicker and not as long we're going to limit ourselves to 30 minutes today because we can talk and if we don't have a timer we'll be here for maybe an hour hour and a half and we'll give you a podcast the same length as the film. so it might defeat the point of the review. So we have a literal clock, a physical clock on a digital device an this iPhone and an iPhone and um, I'm gonna do that so we're gonna cover so many things to do with the film. Uh, give it a good review and hopefully you'll come back come away from it thinking, Uh, I want to see that and see whether those guys were right or not. So if you do want to watch the film before you listen to this review, because there will be spoilers, just make that alert straight away. It's on Netflix, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Check it out and then get back on and listen to this. Okay, let's kick off. Callum, give us... Before I start... Got to get the clock going. I don't want to forget the new format bit. Blimey. 30 minutes on the clock. We'll have to stop at that. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Callum, tell me... The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. What's the plot? What's the concept? Go.
1: The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's very much like the Coen brothers' back catalog. It's it's a pastiche of it all of sort of their back catalog, really. Um it's got a bit of No Country for Old Men in there. Yep. It's got a bit of uh, even a bit of Fargo in there in terms of its cinematography. Although the thing that I loved about the film the most was the fact that it sort of broke down that romanticized west narrative that seems to dominate a lot of narratives about what America was like in the mid to late 19th century. It breaks it down a lot.
0: Just as a quick kind of, if we look for the difference between this and other films, is this is done almost like a book so it's kind of got this format where it's like there's little short stories vignettes if we want to use a a nice technical term there indeed all of which are set in a kind of western environment but different characters yeah
1: so the film opens with a, a, a picture book um and it takes you through all these different stories it's almost like the film acts as a book really each it's a series of short stories within one one narrative. Although classic Coen Brothers, they play around with convention, they play around with what constitutes the narrative and I think that is what underpins the, the scope and the development of the film as it goes on. Yeah. Um, starts off with Buster Scruggs. He's an outlaw and he's uh, going through a sort of classic American landscape in the, in the deep south somewhere and he's playing uh, some music and they play around with camera angles there and he's this amazing gunslinger. Then it moves quickly on to, um a bank robber played by James Franco and talks about his experience in the West. It takes a lot of experiences and connects them in this sort of narrative, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and I think
0: that's the kind of key. It's like a lot of yeah. short stories connected kind of along this weird timeline that gets yeah. played about. So that's the kind of overview of it yeah. with a lot of, coen brothers weird dark magic thrown into it so if we ever think about the plot what do we think of this setting then because you said it's a bit different Mm. it's classically a long film it runs at about two hours 14 it it is yeah for you does it work that and what do you think the kind of point of them doing this kind of like short story vignette setup is
1: the thing is the first hour i was hooked and then it got to about an hour and 10 minutes and i was thinking blimey uh, is this sort of convention? Is it going to last? The yeah. Two well, the hours? start
0: of it kind of feels like it is going to be quite linear because yeah. the character of Buster Scruggs starts, and then he has a shootout with James Franco's character, gets killed, and then it carries on from there.
1: I don't think it's not James Franco. Is it James Franco's character? I thought it was. I don't think. So. I don't know. Right, We'll, we'll review that one. Okay. And- fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Point of order there. If it isn't, then I will uh, <laughs> I will amend this bit of conversation. <laughs> okay, well, forget what I was going to say in that point. Then carry on.
1: Okay. Um. It kind of talks. Like I said, I didn't think it was going to stand the two hours because I think to stretch a convention out like that over two hours, it can become a bit slightly laboured, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, once the hours in, it goes from a prospect a story of a prospector to a story of. The homesteaders moving from uh, east to west. They're trying to get to Oregon on the Oregon Trail. And the film, for me, just picks back up then. There is encounters with Indians. There's sort of questions of morality, questions of sort of, um, you know, people are living hand-to-mouth existences on the frontier. And it's sort of... It's humorous, and it it breaks down that romanticised west, but then, again... I don't know, really. I'm not searching for the word.
0: Well, picking up on that, because one thing I really struggled with with the film is yeah. I get what it was doing, right? Yeah, they're not going to give you a conventional film with a conventional narrative, mm. but they didn't directly link all of these. You know, yeah, there were a mix of short stories, but I found it very hard then to feel, like, attached to it. You know, one sh- story starts and comes to a conclusion relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, but... So for me, this is, was a big down point of the film Is I knew that it was that format. I think it's a good format, but it just didn't hook me in. I didn't feel as connected with the stories of the characters. But when we were chatting about this earlier, you were saying how you thought it kind of helps and delivered this point of showing all the different elements of frontier life yeah. and kind of unromanticising them.
1: Well, definitely. I think the point of the film... Is to show many aspects of society. You know the the classic narrative of the frontier story is you've got cowboys, you've got Indians, you've got these you know mountain men, and it's the sense of adventure. But I think what this film does quite nicely is that it it completely eradicates that narrative. Whilst those characters are still in the film, it emphasises the diversity of the frontier in many ways, and it emphasises the sort of the brutality of it in a way. And I kind of like the fact that it you're invested in one character and then they just snatch it away from you like a bag of crisps. They're like, no, no, you can't finish them. We're on a new story now. And I think that mirrors the brutality of what The Frontier might have been about. It's like you get to know one person and then, or one group of people and then they're gone. You don't know where they've gone at all. That
0: makes sense to me. I I get that and I do agree that worked nicely for doing that. And if the point of the film and the kind of message they're trying to portray is, all right, this is what a typical Western's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's quite romanticised, this is what Frontier lifestyle was like, let's actually take a step back and go, no, it wasn't, there's all these... Uh, small stories of kind of disconnect to that kind of world and these kind of lonely characters, and you don't necessarily feel their stories follow through to the American dream as they do in many conclusions or this kind of idea of, oh, they started at nothing, they got this land, and this is the, they conquered it. So the idea of chopping these narratives short works in that point exactly the same. Well, these narratives don't run the conclusion that you think yeah. they do. Um, So, yes, I get that. I agree, it works. But it's not necessarily something you're thinking as you're watching the film. And and I get that. I love having to think about a film afterwards, hence why we do a podcast reviewing them. But it just didn't quite give me enough extra, like, cinema relief, in a way, to kind of keep me wanting to see another one, another one. But maybe that is just taste but i want i want a bit more of that i kind of want a slight bit more kind of action intrigue bit more character development i i feel like it just kind of gets a bit monotonous after a bit but good like i agree good in that sense what short story would you say kind of works
1: best um that? i think the homesteader's story i think's great because you've got this huge, um, which one's that? It's the uh, the one when they're on the Oregon Trail. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a, a wagon train of people trying to set out and sort of fulfil their manifest destiny and sort of fulfil their dreams of discovering something new, and yet it's the whole story is centred around four characters. It's centred around the two trailblazers. Um, the lady the lady i can't remember the actor's name now um and and her dog yep. and the, and the dog runs off um it nearly gets killed um the lady ends up dying she shoots herself in the head when they're being attacked by indians um the other guy wants to marry her but then we never know what his reaction is to her death yeah he ends up trying to fight indians and nearly gets scalped i think that emphasizes the brutality of the character development. It attacks you, it attracts you to one character. You get involved with a character, you kind of want them to survive, you kind yeah. of want them to make it. And then, in classic Coen Brothers style, bleakness and darkness, they take it away from well,
0: f- you. For me, that one had everything. I would want out of them all. And I understand you can't have the same format in each of them. Mm. So maybe this is me just winching off saying that I want a bit of closure from it because it kind of had that at the end of it. Because that one in itself was more of a complete story, I feel. um It had yeah. the start where there was the kind of mystery of where they're going? going to go on this big adventure. It's like, oh, what's going to yeah. happen? Then you have the journey itself. Then there's a bit of, you know, some problems along the way, like you say. Um, her uh, brother dies and then mm. the dog, they and uh, trying to kill the dog and then there's the proposal. It's got everything and then the Indians, you've got the action. So it covers yeah. the aspects of the frontier life in a bit of a grittier
1: way. Although I do think, I do think it's quite nuanced in a way, the fact that it you, you don't get any sense of closure because the idea of the frontier, I mean, obviously it was in the late 19th century, a lot of historians were saying the frontier is now closed. Mm. However, I think one thing that the Coen brothers has managed to do in a nuanced way is through the characters is that we'll know the idea of the frontier isn't closed. The idea of this uh, sense of we need to expand our borders, we need to expand our sort of idea of what we think we are. The fact that it gets rid of the the fact that there is no closure, I think, is a mirror of the development of an American sort of consciousness, I think. Okay,
0: so what do you think their, their point is in this then? Like releasing it today and making this kind of different Western night like, story.
1: I think there's a lot of um a lot of attention is being given to history at the moment, particularly in political yeah. discourse. Yeah. Referring back to history. And the use of history. Yeah, definitely. And it's always a romanticized version of what people think the past was like anyway. Yeah. However, one the, I don't I don't necessarily think the the main purpose of the film is politically motivated. However, it does kind of, when I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, well actually it's breaking down that mythologized past that mm-hmm. a lot of American education yeah, American. America definitely. as
0: a, a concept. Yeah, and definitely. Built and it, on their ability to yeah. conquer and expand and, and you know, kind of you know, establish a new yeah. Civilization from the start. But this yeah. kind of says, well, no, there's these kind of issues on the way and it's not as straightforward as you think. It's like.
1: clear cut and the characters are depicted as greedy white people. Yeah, which not heroes. Exactly. Which not, is yeah. in
0: kind of American mythology, if you can call it that to an well, extent. Indeed,
1: indeed, yeah. And I think the nuance in it in that respect is breaking down that mythology, I think. Um Also I th- it's the sort of uncertainty of the future in a way. A lot of the people in the film are living hand-to-mouth existences. They don't really know when they're going to get any money. They don't really know what lies ahead in the, in the coming months, particularly Liam Neeson's character. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, travelling to frontier settlements and performing to between 10 and 30 people on these little shows with, the, with a poor man that's got no arms and no legs. And then he ends up... It's alluded to the fact that he's thrown in the river, yeah, that, discarded. Me, that like, was
0: one of my favourite... Of the vignettes, but yeah, horrifically cold, isn't it? It is. So while we're while we yeah. were, you mentioned that. Let's have a focus on the characters now sure. and uh, yeah. the actors, and I think that's a good one to discuss because yeah. when I was thinking about this before, which character did I think um was the most intriguing and mm. and the best performance? It was Liam Neeson's character, and in that short story, there's very little dialogue. If I recall, the Performer, So the performer, like you said, is a man with no arms, no legs, and he's um, a, what does he get described as, like a skilled orator. Um, he basically, so he, cites, he cites monologues, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, Essentially. In this kind yeah. of wagon that's turned into a little theatre. People come, and yeah. he recites these monologues for a few hours, and then lean Neeson's character goes and collects the change. But there's never any verbal interaction between Liam Neeson's character yes. and the performer. And it's all, all the acting is done through either his conversation with other people or just the looks of the eye. Like mm. this is so, then there's especially one where um, he buys his um, new wagon and buys the, a performing chicken. Yes, And he's, yeah. he's sat there by the fire like they are every night, and the chickens there eating the feed he's laying down to him mm. and they're just looking at each other from across the fire. And that was for me was unbelievably powerful. And I think this fits into what we were speaking about um just before, about these individual existences. Because that was such a lonely, you know, kind of series of events for both the characters. Liam Neeson's character, he's on his own in the sense of this is his profession just taking this yeah. performer around but also his carer in essence yeah um but whereas the performer who's disabled he's the only person he's got in the world is um Liam Neeson's character but there's no relationship between them really and it almost warms your heart at first and this is where they really get you because mm it warms your heart. this relationship put forward it's quite a caring one you know they're both there for each other they're both earning a living they've both got the different skills and then like you said it's alluded to at the end that he then throws him into the river and then moves
1: on and uses and of, the chicken and of course the dark the darkness of it all is that he's replaced an armless and a legless man with a chicken yeah and i thought yeah as dark as that is i thought it was quite funny <laughs> in some ways well, that's the Cohen <laughs> brothers uh, like dark humor yeah, coming to play yeah.
0: there which is like i said before the only Cohen brothers i've uh, seen before this is fargo which right. for me i really like because of that real dark twisted sense of humor in it yeah um and that is a kind of nod to that i don't think buster scruggs has as much dark comedy in it as Uh, Fargo does but that is kind of one of those elements and but that's what makes it more shocking because it's almost laughable in Mm. the way that it's constructed but it's insane and like Mm. you're saying it's showing these uh, kind of individual existences but it I thought was interesting is like when you ever talk about disabled people in frontier life oh, it might be like someone who's um, well, then portrayed not, not as, yeah, about but might be portrayed like. as like, a crazy person or yeah. Or the only disability you might think is if someone's lost a, a limb, but through combat, like this is like a genuine like someone who's got a disability and put into this scenario, and then it just makes you think about well, the only kind of narrative I am ahead of Western and uh, frontier lifestyle is this. American heroes, American families building the nation, mm. but forgets everyone else. And then this builds into if we're looking at it from the modern perspective, is well, what is a modern nation? I mean, we're going to get onto something well, very, I mean, that's a, very difficult here. Say, yeah. But it's kind of, <laughs> especially now in America, where they're kind of literally building walls to define who's not and who is part of it. Yeah, this is like, oh, who's part of that narrative from the start? Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, there is an element of that. And I think, you know, um, my previous point about sort of breaking down that sort of American imaginary in a way, I think, there is, I think that's one thing that the Coen brothers have done quite well in this film depicted through all these little vignettes and these stories and you know i i, I mean for you, what was your favorite uh story i think
0: story-wise like you mentioned before um where they travel into oregon right okay because i think that was yeah. the most engaging and it covered a lot more areas of the kind of western you know it had the action mm. but maybe that's because it had the elements of a stereotypical western but with, a, see, with I, a twist on i it.
1: saw so many parallels between um liam neeson's story and the homesteader story in terms of they're still they're, they're just traveling around they, yeah they have no purpose other than to just to survive and i think
0: without that kind of idea that oh they are conquering or claiming exactly land. they are yes they are the frontier folk Mm. Moving forward on the frontier, but with no real idea or purpose, and still it is a survival thing, which not everyone's winning.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and the characters completely um embody that. Yeah. in many ways.
0: What characters stand out for you amongst any of them? I know you mentioned uh, to me earlier about um the old guy who's panning for gold. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a good one for us to mention because I think that's quite a big one. I do in the like film. I
1: do like that story in the sense that um he's he's a, he's a prospector isn't he? Yeah. So he's he's traveling around trying to find gold and he comes across this river in this beautiful landscape that looks absolutely amazing on camera and you kind of know because the landscape is so beautiful you kind of know that he's looking for something that's also beautiful and in this case it's gold. And uh, he does all this legwork. He sort of uh, digs up different parts of this riverbank, searches for the gold, ends up finding a hole only to get shot in the back by another guy, another prospector. Um, And it's alluded to that he dies, essentially. And the reason why I like that character the most is because I felt sorry for him in many ways. You know, he didn't really... He had this sort of romantic... He was a very innocent man in many ways. Yeah. Because he was he singing... He was quite
0: playful, wasn't it? Like, Yeah, he was and singing n- to himself. music does play you quite a big part in this film. Definitely,
1: yeah. Um, and I think the music element, I think, adds to the innocence of some of the characters in yes. many ways. Yeah. And, you know, this prospector, he sort of... He sings to himself. He's quite childlike in many ways, although at the same time he's very old. It's played by Tom Waits, the character. Um which again is quite interesting. Anyway, yeah. then he gets shot in the back, and it's quite sad because he screams to the to the sky, almost screaming to God, saying, "You shot me in the back! You shot me in the back!" Almost saying how how unfair and how unjust the frontier is. Um,
0: but what I think there's an extra element because he then fights the guy, doesn't he, and shoots. Yes, him. he does. So yeah. for me, like because it, it's given the decision that he's dead and he's gone right so this is you know it's the narrative there is that this guy's worked for it and they said it's taken off him that's the flow of nature mm. okay and i feel that makes a point it could have ended there but he then he fakes that he's dead at that point finds yeah. him shoots this other guy ends up taking the gold but for me that's almost kind of saying oh this is the plucky nature of this frontier life is yeah, this guy has yeah. worked really hard for something had it taken away but then claimed it back it's i see that as more of so, a kind of positive even if he does die like forget that yeah there's a kind of suggestion that all right there's this mentality of the never-say-die attitude.
1: I do, yeah, I mean, I, I get I get that. Although, at the same time, I do think it was kind of a Pyrrhic victory in the end, because, like, he sort of... Even though he does fight back, he dies anyway. Yeah. So he'll never... The riches that he's searched for his entire life, he'll never experience, because he's dead. Yeah. And I think that's quite depressing. <laughs> so,
0: it is... Okay, so maybe the point of that, then, is... <laughs> Yeah, he's fought back, and this is the plucky kind of well, mentality, the, but yeah. it's futile. Like, exactly. you can be as exactly. plucky, and yeah. you can fight, and you can work hard for as much amount. but in that scenario, it, it's futile. It doesn't mean anything, because no one's working together. It's, and I do, they're meant to be building a nation, but it's just people working for themselves. I
1: agree, and I do think that's one thing that the Coen brothers have done quite well with that character, is that as an audience, we're, can't, we can't... I, kind of, I wanted him to succeed. Yeah. I wanted him to find the gold. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, and the Coin Brothers wanted the audience to feel that, yeah. only for it to be snatched away. And when he fights back, the audience almost feel like, oh, yeah, he's fighting back. Yeah. yeah, go on, kill kill the guy that's just trying to kill you. And then in classic style, it's just taken away from the audience again. So bleak. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah fucking bleak. There's nothing redeeming in the
0: <laughs> film, is there? No. Um, right, okay. We've got about eight minutes left. Ooh. So you let's quickly mention this and you talked about the visuals there oh god yeah it is stunning, stunning. the film it is yeah. really nice and um that um story especially when it's uh set in the valley and uh, the mm. water i feel the kind of nature element they use there is like you said it adds to the innocence but there's a lot of kind of beauty to the whole film um and this ties into the plot and what we've yeah. seen about that but for me just from a kind of Cinema, cinema perspective mm. I was very drawn in by a lot of the footage
1: I think one thing that the frontier became the landscape became part of the human in the film the, yeah. hu, the humans yeah, yeah. were battling the landscape as much as they were battling themselves Yeah, and for me that kind of it reminded me of The Revenant in many ways. Okay,
0: I've not seen that, but um, sort of this idea. I, I get, yeah, yeah, I've read about it. Now. I can see what you mean.
1: Battle between humans and then this battle between nature and nature and human. Are they, yeah. are they distinctly separate? Well, in the Coen brothers, this film in particular, it paints it as well. Actually, they're very similar because the humans are defining the landscape and the na- defining nature, and nature is defining the human. Um, so, yeah, the prospector um, story of the film beautiful. Although I loved the camera shot, the first camera shot in the uh, with the Buster Scruggs, they put the camera behind the guitar when he's playing yeah, that song, no, and, cool. and you can see the sort of uh, the mountain through the guitar strings as he's playing. And I, for me, it just it felt like the music was part of the landscape as much as the landscape was part of him. Yeah. As, me- as weird um, as yeah, that sounds, a- it was really, really interesting. I
0: feel that first vignette is fantastic. As the kind of intro, which take you away quite quickly, because you start watching the film and think he's going to be the main character of it all. Which is what I love about it, because yeah. he dies and it's, and it's, it's in the straight, straight away. 15 minutes, but I wow. love there, like we mentioned, about music being used. Yes. There's very, again, quite playful, childish music, in a way, against his very dark backdrop, as he's just going round, you know, he's like the fastest gun in the West, and all this. Yeah. Um, but I think the music does do that, and it gives this, again, as this dark comedy kind of feel to it, and which is quite strange. But there's a camera shot I like in that when you're talking about the guitar one but when he's on the horse it keeps flicking up to the mountains like that Mm. and to the sides which again emphasises the landscape and the nature but it's this kind of, like I said this weird kind of quirky character put into what a traditional really thinks quite a serious Well, uh,
1: what they've done is they've used the landscape to to break down that myth, haven't they? Yes. The typical landscape whenever you, it's that classic it's in... um oh Blimineck, what American state it's the Grand Canyon isn't it I think with the Nevada the... Is that... yeah it's the it's the, the it's the Nevada with the uh the big mountains, it's like a, the classic sort of cactus image okay. of yeah, the yeah, mountains. Yeah. It's the classic image of the West, isn't it? The sort of Yeah, it's rural, saying, look at this, this is what it looks like. Rural landscape. And, is,
0: and you now know what you think that is, but we're going to show you that's not what you think it
1: is. Yeah, by putting the quirky character yes. right in the middle of it. Exactly, right. And that's right. what they've done with the camera as well. Five
0: minutes ago, that's a good way of wrapping all that up. Nice one. So, tell me gen- generally, what did you think of the film? What did you like about it? What did it lack? And... We'll give a review at the. We'll give a rating at the end, but just quick summary for you: what you thought of it.
1: I love the. um, I love the fact that it was split up into a series of vignettes. I love the fact that once you got invested in a character, they were either killed off or you didn't know what happened to them. Um, I love the dark humor of it all. I loved. I love the setting. I'm really, really interested in sort of the the frontier and late nineteenth century America. For, For me, you know, I love westerns and I love the. how they broke that down they broke down the myth Um, I think it could have been half an hour shorter Um, it was quite long towards the end with the um, the wagon the very the final story I thought I've had enough now I get it I get the point of it but then at the same time one thing that I did love about it is the ending i still don't know what it means <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, but the thing is i can have a guess what it means I mean, maybe after, that's the point i don't know
0: after analyzing all this like i used to have a kind of a lot of respect for the film and you know i think there's great elements. but looking back to when i actually watched it once it got to that last vignette, i was gone like I yeah had, my kind of interest in the characters had, had waned at that point so i don't think it had as much impact i think so, i
1: think yeah i think yeah i agree. Uh, more uh, retrospective impact. Yeah, definitely, yeah.
0: Anyway, could have been a bit short. Anything else that you think it lacked and for a Coen Brothers film is the more mm, Coen you wanted to see in there? Uh,
1: No, I I think there was enough sprinkles of Coen-esque. There was enough, uh, you know, Coen sauce in there. (laughs) For me... (laughs) Tea tea time, isn't it, you know? All right, three
0: minutes, three minutes we could do this. Um, For me, (laughs) like I mentioned before um i thought it was good in the sense that i liked what they did with the format i've not really seen anything done in that sense before with the vignettes how it was kind of a bit literary i liked some of the stories i was i was gripped by a few of them but at the same time some even though i get the point that they were trying to make or what they were trying to display just didn't give me enough i just wanted a little bit more narrative i wanted something to uh, grab me in i like the dark humor the Dark Comedy, not enough for my liking. I think it could have been used more. There could have been a bit more of that kind of slapping you in the face with it. And I think that would have driven the point home a bit more. And that would have given me the extra to want to watch it a bit further. So for me, yes, I like what they did. And in discussing it now, I feel like I've picked up a lot of stuff I didn't do straight away. But I wasn't driven to want to think about it afterwards. Because I was just kind of like, okay, fine, I get, I get what you've done. But it was a bit tricky to watch. Callum, we've got a minute to go. Hmm. Out of 10, what would you give The Ballad of Buster Scruggs?
1: Uh, 9 out of 10. And you definitely recommend? Definitely recommend for any Coen Brothers fan. Maybe not for your, maybe not as pretentious as this sounds, not for your average cinema. <laughs> well, you set the <laughs> stall out there
0: now. People who listen to this are going to hear you again going, out. I've got your who, number. Who's, right? who, who's
1: that guy on there? <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I'm sorry to say as much as I thought was great and, a, a better film to analyze than it was to watch <laughs> so i'm gonna give it a six out of ten if, if i my... wouldn't stop you <laughs> from watching it but i agree with callum by saying i feel you need to be the person who really enjoys the coen brothers and those type of films to want to watch it it's not mm. you might love it you might not I'd say watch it for a a conversation. But if you're going to watch it for sheer pleasure, then, you know, maybe flick over to something else. But I'm glad I watched it. I've been... Uh, very grateful it's given us this platform to discuss the american frontier and dive into some history
1: as we know we'd love well that's what you want isn't it
0: exactly that's all yeah. you can ever ask for but now we're going to wrap it up we're getting to 30 minutes i can't believe we've actually done it, no, neither, it neither, neither, neither can i actually thank you callum for joining on your first uh, Glass glacé film club podcast thank Do you, you. enjoyed the experience i've loved
1: it and thank you again marcus for the opportunity wonderful no worries wonderful. we'll have you back again thank yeah. you for
0: listening we'll be back very soon with some more glacé film club action check out the films if you want to write to us you can even send us a letter if you want but don't because we won't get it but comment any films you want us to watch and we'll watch them and have a chat about it thank you and we'll see you soon